to another episode of Speaking the Lawn, the official podcast of streakinglawn.com. Once again, my name is Pierce, and once again, I've got Zach with me. Hello, Zach. How are you? I'm doing well, Pierce. I'm doing very well. We're getting closer to oh. basketball season. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And Ben is back because we're, we're talking shooty hoops. Ben, hello. How are you? I'm doing good. I had a lengthy absence from the podcast, which just so happened to correlate with football season. But now that we have hoops, I'm back. You know, you're taking some time in hibernation, much like Virginia football recruiting. And uh, we're here to talk <laughs> basketball. I'm sorry. They've lost like three recruits this week. So, you know, the, <laughs> it's a bye week. We'll, t- we'll be back to talk about whatever happens against UNC. But here's the football segment for the show. They've got their hands full against UNC this week. But during the bye week, we had the basketball scrimmages for the men's and women's teams and uh so that's what we're going to talk about on this week's podcast episode zachary do you want to lead things off with uh some quick impressions of of the thrilling blue and white scrimmage that lasted hours right hours of content and and footage and and minutes on the court to analyze absolutely um but yeah so for a quick I don't know, disclaimer, Um, the blue-white scrimmage was three quarters, really three-thirds. I don't think you can call it three quarters unless it's a full, like it doesn't work for me, especially when the third one was eight minutes, so it wasn't even a third. Regardless, that aside, sorry, just got to get on Tony for that. Um, It was three, it was 28 minutes of scrimmaging. Um, There was a brief three-point contest beforehand. The team had practiced for a full 40 minutes of of sort of full-on scrimmaging before this this you know public scrimmage um so i do think that that will factor into some of our analysis and is worth but yeah i mean i think it was it was pretty fun to see both teams i think the women's basketball team um they're still missing a couple of star players and in, in sam brunell and, and mir mclean olivia mcgee went down with an early injury um there's rumors on twitter that it's not so serious after it looked pretty serious she was on crutches after the game then apparently she wasn't on crutches um we'll see hopefully she's okay kamara johnson i I know i'm going but i just i wanted to talk about the women a little bit like they're a very exciting team um kamara johnson no one has said about that okay okay. to make sure um i was gonna ask about the injury update yeah i I haven't heard anything i mean um hopefully we're gonna have a media availability for both teams within the next couple weeks and i'm sure we'll get an update then but kamara johnson looks like everything we'd hope she'd be she had a couple turnovers, but she was running in transition. She was quarterbacking um, her team's offense and a group of, I think, two second years, uh, two first years, first years freshmen, whatever you want to say. Um, and London Clarkson beat a team of vets um, or the more veteran team quite handily, I think, by, by about 11 points. So that was really fun to see. The men's scrimmage was also enjoyable with all the new pieces um, the shooting wasn't fantastic, so we'll see if that's a trend that carries on for this team this season. But a lot of young guys um, stood out, and so I'm sure we can dive deeper into that. But yeah, it was, it was a nice break from um, some of the frustrations of football season. All right, Ben, uh, what stood out to you in the men's game that you know think you think might be a headline? first the first week of the season you know the, 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 put that that we've got a <laughs> few games under our belts what what's the big takeaway from the early season that we should expect 
we need some headlines. We need some hot takes. Uh, one note that I will add on the structure of the scrimmage, uh, which uh, Zach and I both noticed during that was pretty funny, is uh, Tony came out and gave his normal spiel at the beginning, saying great season, hyped up the women's team a little bit, which was cool to see, and then explained the format, which, as people know, is a little bit different. Previously, it's been more of a standard scrimmage, but this year we had the three-point contest. And there was actually, um, they're going to just play two 10-minute halves and then do a little four-on-four-on-four game with the blue team and the white team and the green team, uh, which sounded like it was going to be a little bit more fun, like just running up and down three teams of four, sort of um, as goofing around as you'll get in a Tony Bennett um, practice. But we did not end up getting that. Uh, It wasn't because the teams did not, perform up to Tony's expectations in the first two 10 minute periods? Probably not, um, but speculate away. Um, I think my biggest takeaway that I think people will notice in the first few weeks of the year, depending on how many minutes he gets is Leon Bond's performance. I was really encouraged by what I saw. He looks a lot better shooting the ball than we saw in his high school tape and in what little we saw of the blue white scrimmage last season, but um, flew it off the dribble, flew it around the basket. Um, he's going to blend very well, I think, with Reese Beekman particularly being able to cut in. And Virginia doesn't really have that many guys on the roster outside of Bond and obviously Ryan Dunn, uh, who can score off cuts, score going to the basket. Guys like Dante Harris sort of need to create on his own or Andrew Rohde, Isaac McNeely aren't really guys who get downhill. They're dudes who can space the floor. They're dudes who can create shots, but they're not going to put pressure on the rim. And Leon Bond is exciting because he has the potential to do that and apparently hit shots off the dribble and off the catch, which we saw in the blue white scrimmage. Um, Now sample size of very little. Uh, He took eight total shots, uh, made six of them, including a three off for Ryan Dunn's skip pass. Scored 13 points, which actually led the scrimmage. Again, take that with a grain of salt, but I'm really encouraged by what I saw from Leon Bond offensively, and I'm excited to see if that translates into the first three or four games. Uh, The Florida game in there uh, is going to be a challenge, but you have three of your first four games against relative cupcakes in Tarleton State, North Carolina A&T, and Texas Southern. Uh, Hopefully you can get some big minutes and get some baskets. Sounds uh, sounds like a, a, an interesting wrinkle uh, to who might be starting. Uh, I know that's something that we go back and forth with uh, at this point in time in the preseason. So, Zach, does that fit into anything that maybe has changed on your end about what the starting lineup will look like? Yeah, I, I think originally, um, like at this point last week, I was thinking that last starting spot, it – this can change throughout the season, but I think right now we've penciled in Beekman, McNeely, Dunn as three starters and likely Jordan Minor as the fifth, um, as the most experienced, most defensively savvy big. We can have a discussion about how that might be the case, how that might not be the case, what's good and bad about that. Um, but I think those are probably your four standard base guys you're expecting there. And then it, you kind of presumably want that third guard. And so the thought process I'd gone through, and I think a lot of people had was it, it's either Andrew Rohde, um, sort of a bigger scoring guard who can handle the ball, but isn't necessarily a, you know, he's not a point guard uh, per se, and he's not as defensively savvy as, as UVA's backcourt last year, um, which obviously had two, I think first team, all defenders on it. I don't know if you want to 
Yeah, but uh, versus Dante Harris, who is point guard, more ball handling, less scoring, less shooting probably, but going to heat up the ball defensively, be a more prominent defender. I think Bond is probably in that discussion now. It's interesting, though, because in the scrimmage, when he played alongside Ryan Dunn, which was the majority of his minutes, he played at the four and Dunn played at the three. Um, And I think that that's probably a sign of the fact that they feel like Bond can be a good player around the basket in the mid-range, can pop out to to the perimeter to hit a three but he's not necessarily somebody that they want handling the ball as much and they that they have faith in Dunn to be able to be a playmaker with the ball in his hands. And so um, I think Bond is in that discussion uh, because of Dunn's ability. And we saw in this game, he had five assists, um, which was like, and it wasn't just sort of a fluke. Like we kept noting, my goodness, Ryan Dunn's passing ability is serious. And I think you saw that sometimes last year when he would have the ball in his hands. It just didn't really work out just because he wasn't as smooth of a, of a player as, as I think he is now. Um, and so I think that there's a world where playing Bond alongside Dunn could be a really fun lineup as a 3-4 switch where Dunn will probably be guarding the bigger player defensively, Bond the smaller player just because he is three inches shorter, but can play the four on offense and they can sort of use those two guys in unique ways. Um, I still think that the, the starting lineup or that last spot will probably come down to Rody versus Harris and knowing Cody Bennett, I'm, I, I think it's probably going to be Harris, um, but I, I wouldn't put money on that. Uh, but yeah, no, it, like sort, sort of the way that, that Bennett decides who he decides to start, I think will tell us a lot, not only about who's played well in practice, but also what he's prioritizing with this team and what he thinks that that lineup needs to be successful, how much faith he has in Ryan Dunn as a playmaker on the perimeter, which he will be, how, how confident he is in Dunn to use a ball screen and, and attack the basket. Because if so, if, if, if he's confident in Dunn to be that floor spacer, that sort of third guard, obviously a jumbo guard, then it would be Bond probably in the starting lineup. Um, if he needs more of a point guard presence, it's probably Harris. If he really values the, the defensive impact that Harris has, then it's him. If he thinks that the, the offense needs more, go get a bucket type guys, it's Rody. Um, and so I think that in, in those three guys, you sort of have this interesting breakdown of not only three players, who's going to be the best, who who is most valuable um, in that starting lineup, but what does Bennett and his staff value the most um, in those starter minutes, uh, you know, going beyond just starting the game, but playing the bulk of the minutes with, with those top five guys. All right. So Ben, I mean, similar question, like, is there anything in this scrimmage that you thought, Hey, that's changing my perception of what the starting lineup might be, or really what the rotation percentage and, and how, how things might be influenced from this extensive display of preseason basketball against one another. <laughs> yes, the blue-white scrimmage, always meaningful. Um, I think last year they shot like 50% from three in blue-white, and we all thought they had a team of snipers. That was fun. <laughs> um, so clearly it means a lot. Um, but in terms of bigger picture rotation stuff, Bond was a pretty big takeaway for me. Uh, another minor note, uh, Gertrude, I thought, looked like he was playing very within the flow of the offense, like composed um able to fit in it'll be interesting to see if he redshirts or not i lean towards not i think he looked good enough to have a role on this team uh blake buchanan also looked really really active defensively in a way that bennett bigs typically don't when they're sort of figuring the system out uh that was promising uh, it was interesting to watch him in contrast with jordan minor uh because buchanan is bigger and probably a little bit more athletic but Miner is like super bulky, uh, and like very clearly knows how like knows how to play. He's a veteran, uh, and 
like he dominated against Leicester competition last year, but he still dominated in college basketball and has done it before. Um, I think they probably both have roles in the rotation. Bennett will probably default to minor ahead of Buchanan early in the year, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Buchanan get some starts at the five as the season goes on. And then Jacob Groves also, uh, he, in the group that seemed like the starting lineup at the beginning of the scrimmage, he was in it um, as sort of that stretch big. Uh, we know Tony Bennett appears to like that sort of player, at least if last year is anything to go off of. Um, we were comparing him to Ben Vanderplas during uh, the early scrimmage, uh, which I think was generally construed in a negative way. Uh, uh, Zach actually pointed out that he's like Vanderplas without any post moves, uh, which might be a little harsh to Groves, who did make a three during the scrimmage, so who knows. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised to see Groves play a pretty big role and get some starts in the early going, uh, much to the chagrin of us um, youth believers and uh, all about upside view. Uh, But I think Groves might He's probably at his ceiling, but his ceiling is an ACC-level basketball player, so he probably has a rotation role on this team. What an impressive display of preseason negativity, uh, one that I did not uh, anticipate in today's episode. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you guys have you have your brand, and it's getting out there, and, and so I get why you want to lean into uh, your brand. <laughs> I'm Our brand is being right, Pierce. It just—I know it's exhausting for some people. <laughs> the well, trick is that if you're always only one team wins the title every year, so if you're just really cynical the whole year, you're going to be right more often. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't do it. They didn't fulfill their their potential. <laughs> what a fun journey that puts everyone on uh, as fans. Uh, you're reminder, in. by the way, that Virginia has not won an NCAA tournament game this decade. <laughs> Since Ben and I could start, since Ben and I could start driving, Virginia basketball. like two years (laughs) ago, you guys started driving. Um, and anyway, I've completely gone off the rails with uh with with trying to figure out how how we're going to swing this back to a positive. So I'm just going to be direct and and ask for some explicit positives um maybe ones that you weren't expecting a surprise positive result from the scrimmage young jaded zachary yeah i well this isn't necessarily a surprise but reese beekman looks just incredible um i think again it's blue white and like i mean last year he had four points and shot two for 10 from the field and had a pretty decent season and looked um, like he was on the, he was going to break out and then he just got banged up. I think that he is going to be everything that we want him to be this season. He had 11 points, shot five for nine, oh for two from three, just off my memory. I think one was off the dribble. I think one of the two that he shot was in and out. Neither of them were necessarily bad misses. I know they're misses, but at the same time, um, or was he? Okay. No, that's somebody else. Uh, Three assists, two steals. He probably could have had seven assists. Guys just missed some shots. Um, he looks like the focal point of the offense. Uh, you know, there was a quote from Isaac McNeely in a uh, Mike Barber story today on, on the Richmond Times-Dispatch mentioning that, they, that they're probably going to be more of a four-out offense 
this season than they have in the past. What that tells me is this offense is running through Reese Speakman in a high pick and roll a lot. And that's what we did see uh, some in this game. I think that Reese is going to be what makes this offense go. I don't think that that's a hot take, but we saw him in this game. Most notably, what what did surprise me about his game, and it's actually something that I wrote about a couple of days beforehand and was very quickly um, proven. I don't know if right is the right um, phrasing, but it was proven. I don't know. His mid-range game looks good. I think he shot three for five from the mid-range, and that was off of pull-ups. That was off of dribble drives. He was hitting comfortably difficult shots. Um, And while the mid-range is not something that I think needs to be prioritized in any meaningful way, the fact that he's hit those shots is worthwhile for a guy who's going to have to create his own shot for this team because there are times when he's not going to be able to get to the rim, when opponents are going to be able to overhelp on the backside and are going to have the length to um, contest shots and, and maybe this team isn't hitting shots so the the outside threes that right. Reese creates for others just aren't going to go down and so it's going to be valuable for him to be able to hit a pull-up jumper from two like it, that is something that, that that can be worthwhile um for him even if it's not sort of the strength of his game being able to hit that shot is notable and, and he did it well in this game and clearly had an emphasis on taking his own shot, even if he wasn't getting to the rim. And so I was really encouraged by that. And I think that there's really, other than saying you want him to shoot like Kyle Guy or or just like be a high volume three-point shooter, which I don't think is reasonable considering his strengths. I don't really think that there's anything you can do to nitpick Reese's game right now. And I wouldn't have said that at this time last year. I think he has the mentality that we've wanted him to have as someone who's going to go get his own bucket. But he also looked just so comfortable running the offense. He knew where the defense was going to be weak. He knew where the defense was going to be helping from. And he was swinging the ball there immediately. He was so decisive. I think that that was a point that that Ben made is that even if shots weren't falling for him or for others, and and for the most part, they did for him and, and not as much for others. But he knew where to go and was creating open looks. And so... um if there's one player you want to play really well this season for this team, it's Reese, I think. Maybe Ryan Dunn too, but but Reese um, is probably that top guy. And from 28 minutes of basketball that we've seen, I think that that's going to be the case. All right. That was very positive. Ben, would you like a time in the positivity circle? Yeah. <laughs> uh, one guy who's um, been around, and I, I think this is a nice contrast to the typical negativity, which um... – seems to be directed towards a lot of the older, more veteran players who we sort of know what they're going to be. Um, but an older guy who really hasn't gotten much attention in the off season, but who I'm actually really excited to watch play is Dante Harris from Georgetown. Uh, he transferred mid last season. Uh, so mm-hmm. he's already had a semester to get up to speed. I think he was practicing with the team last season, though he wasn't playing. Um, but a guy who really had some high highs at Georgetown. I think he was the Big East tournament MVP the year they had that crazy fluke run to make the tournament. Um, but the guy's played really high level basketball before. And I was impressed by what I saw in the blue white scrimmage. Uh, for starters, he is an absolute defensive pest in a way that will remind Virginia fans very much of a certain undersized point guard who is no longer um, on the roster. But uh, Harris had a few, uh, like, just pesky backcourt steals picking from Reese, who's usually a pretty good ball handler and pretty secure. Uh, there was actually a pretty funny moment in the second half where uh, Dante Harris pickpocketed Reese, 
And then Reese brought the ball up the very next time down and like went at him in the post uh, and hit an and one like little mid range jumper over him. And then Dante tried to get him back and missed. And that was the end of that. But good to see like a little bit of swagger, I guess. Um, cool. Harris probably is not going to ever be the guy for this team. Uh, and he shouldn't have to be. But as a good complimentary role player, he's a really good defender. He keeps the ball moving. He can run the offense if he has to. It's not at the level of Reese Beekman, but he's a very good basketball player. And I think he'll slot into the system pretty well. And fans are really going to love the way he plays defense. He's going to get like one or two free buckets a game just from stealing a pass in the backcourt. That's a good point. And I mean, obviously the Virginia fans are are pretty uh, boisterous when, when uh, a strong defensive play is made. But, you know, to me, it also it speaks to the backcourt depth bringing that opportunity like we know we've seen we've we've seen McNeely as a ball handler and it's clear that that coach Bennett is fine with that but uh it's going to take more than the entire uh Reese Beekman show plus occasional time for McNeely to you know really have some success in running this offense so whether that's Harris, it sounds like Harris obviously is up for the task and even Gertrude could be as well. And then you're looking at like actual talented depth, both in the front court and the back court, which gosh, when's the last time we really felt that way? You know, it, it's funny how the transfer portal taketh <laughs> away, but also giveth <laughs> the ability to, you know, if you're Virginia is a name brand program at this point, while they don't recruit like Kentucky and Duke are able to, they can offer some really, really strong opportunity to be on a really, really strong team. And it seems like the roster breakdown this year has really turned into a, a talented across the board uh, in a too deep kind of way that you can have a, a, a scrimmage with two or three teams, depending on how you want to organize your, <laughs> your scrimmage showcase. So we haven't really talked about Ryan Dunn much. So Zach, I'm going to continue the circle of positivity and, and let you talk about uh, the guy in the round table. You said you wanted to talk about the most, right? Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I mean, I feel like I, I'm starting to stake my claim in Ryan Dunn. Caroline likes to say that Caroline Darney, that is, if you're unfamiliar from <laughs> streaking one audience. Um, if, you, if this is your first episode. If you're unfamiliar. <laughs> um, Caroline always, when we're at like whatever sporting event and someone, she's like, that's my guy. And she tends to have like five or six guys on every team, <laughs> but I would like Ryan Dunn to be my guy. Um, I think that Ben and I have had some takes bold. about Ryan. What a bold. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. No, well, I, I interviewed him. I pick like, all the good ones he got too. his offer. <laughs> anyway. Like regardless how come they're um, not desmond roberts guys yeah where are the, where are the anthony roberts guys i told you my, my desmond roberts ben doesn't story. even know flag on christian bliss come on um tristan howe that's i know that's guy. ben's guy yeah. uh regardless talking about ryan dunn uh i mean it would not surprise me if he's a lottery pick this year it, it, it genuinely would not surprise me and i don't think i'm the first person to have said that okay I do not think I that's not what I'm predicting will happen because uh, I think he's rougher offensively than some draft people uh, think. I, I think that he has more room to grow there. Um, but at the same time, I mean, this guy is just absurdly talented. He is so good defensively. He's able to guard realistically one through five 
on defense. Um, giving him 30 minutes a game, I don't think he's going to have foul trouble. I think he's going to average two blocks a game. I think he's going to be just unreal. I think I had a take and text to someone that I think that Ryan Dunn is going to be UVA's best forward defender in the Tony Bennett era. Um, whether he sticks for two years, it might be difficult to argue from a production standpoint, but I think he has that ceiling. And I think he's going to be that type of player this season. In my t- 10, what I say, bold predictions, hot uh, takes, whatever it was on the website the other day, I had him winning the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, again, that's a bold prediction. But I don't think that that's out of outside the realm of possibility. I think that he is that good of a defender. I think he's that complete. I think he's a playmaker uh, as a defender, both on ball and as a help defender. And we saw that in this blue-white game. I think he had, what did, what did Ben have him at? Two blocks, three blocks in this game. Um, that was, they were all like, I think, yeah, just impressive. Like it wasn't, there was no sort of like lucky block that he locked lucked into. Um, it was on ball. It was off ball. It was everywhere. Um, offensively though, is, is where you're looking for that, that room for growth. I think he was one for four from three that very easily could have been two for four. Um, he just had one or two roll out. No, but genuinely like they were four <laughs> for 25 like, from three. All he had to do is make one more shot. Then it wouldn't have been two. No, I know. I, feel like this, I remember uh, they we were... talked about Igor Milicic like this, like the shot looks good. <laughs> it just doesn't go in. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, there was one in the corner and I specifically remember this because it was a beautiful pass from Reese like across the court he was driving down the left lane and like floated it to Ryan Dunn in the corner and it legitimately toilet bowled in and out um so regardless I think his shot does look a little bit better and that's evidenced by what did he have nine points three for nine shooting not pretty but he did take the ball to the rack himself a couple times I don't think I don't even know if any of his buckets were actually assisted, but he had a couple points where he did dribble drive in. I think he backed someone into like the sort of like mid to low post, hit a little fadeaway jumper. Ryan Dunn's my guy. You guys know this. Um, and so <laughs> he's, I he get always a little has, bit, he's, he's always been saying that for been. years. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I get excited talking about him, but I just, his handles look clean. I mentioned the passing. He, he was genuinely hitting like skip pass assists. Like it was catch, survey the court go at the basket, find someone. He had his head up. He had, I think, three assists to Leon Bond in this game. One or two was as with Bond cutting. Um, he just looked so complete in so many ways. The shot is still developing. Don't get me wrong. The handles are as well, probably, against ACC guards. He might have a little bit of trouble with someone getting underneath him. Um, and I think that his footwork offensively could probably use, he's just not quite as fluid as a DeAndre Hunter was at this point in his career. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I think I said the other day that Ryan, not to shameless plug, whatever you want to call it, um, that Ryan Dunn is going to be a better player in his second season at UVA than DeAndre Hunter was. Um, that might be a little hot takey, a little, a little too Twitter or X-y, wow. but um hunter had more he was more polished on He'll offense just say anything on he'll just say anything media. he's just so Man, positive Dick that's the thing i'm just so positive of positivity you know it um <laughs> but uh like the, the there are differences in their games but i i really think that dunn is so primed for breakout you and you can see that about a bunch of guys on this roster um but yeah he's just so close to being that sort of lottery pick talent whether he is good enough this year to be sort of a fringe t- first round guy, which I think is very possible, whether he is that and decides to come back and then as a lottery pick after his third year, um, 
he he has he has that ceiling and i think that he's gonna we're gonna really see him start to hit that this season and then again it's 28 minutes of basketball um but i think that this was something that was understood by many before the season this is not a take that is purely based off of his nine point performance in in 28 minutes um but going nine points five assists and three blocks in maybe 22 minutes um not too shabby all right so um on the count of three everybody say what last year's teams as a unit whole what the big weakness was ready one two three outside shooting shooting. offense (laughs) ben you cheated you did not say your answer. I was, I was going to say until... shooting, and then I realized that like they weren't really good at shooting around the basket either. So, <laughs> all right. So I, I said that's why I said shooting. I think we're all on the yeah. same page, though. I mean, it sort of starts with what you were noting about how the offensive strategy might change because it's focusing on Reese Beekman's ability to get to the rim. But you know, when you know what you said about uh, Dunn as well. If, the, if there's more opportunity to have guys who are actually creating off the dribble their opportunities to score, that should collapse the defense, which you got to take advantage of by hitting outside shots, right? Basketball 101. And that brings us to a few guys that we haven't talked a lot about, which are, I guess you would peg as, with Reese, supposed to be the outside shooting threats. So McNeely is the easiest example, but um, we also want to talk about Rhodey and uh, Tane, who are both going to be in the rotation for sure. So what would you see from uh, IMAC, Ben? Um, It wasn't particularly <laughs> pretty. Uh, but they looked uh, good. They just didn't go in. They look good. The shot, the, yeah, yeah. The shot well, looks okay, good. He hit like 30 in a minute and 45 <laughs> seconds before the he game did. and then hit nothing during the scrimmage. Yeah, and, and as, as we all know, basketball is played in three-point contests where you stand at the top of the key with no defense. And our hey, shoot, listen, um, listen. For 60 seconds. Um, Someone has stealed this Tane Murray the circle, is not a 70. The circle of negativity. We're in the, the vortex of of feelies mm-hmm. yeah i am i'm glad zach brought up the three-point contest though because it is telling uh the four players that tony picked to participate in the pre-game three-point contest probably for like which guys on the team are the best shooters uh the four guys who got to participate were reese beekman uh jake groves stretch for uh isaac mcneely and tane murray uh, they all performed pretty well in the three-point contest and then combined to go one for 13 in the scrimmage from <laughs> three. Like they were tired. Andrew Rody, yeah, they in were the, tired. Andrew Rody is probably the other guy you'd expect to be hitting shots, and he went 0 for 4 from three and 2 for 11 from the field. Um, the mm. team as a whole was 4 for 25, and they really got bailed out to even get there because Elijah Gertrude hit a three from about 35 feet off the dribble on the last play. <laughs> and so if he missed that, they would have been sitting at like 12, 13%. Um, but it was it was not pretty throughout. I do think you look at the personnel and you think McNeely is a good shooter. He'll shoot fine in games. Beekman can knock down open threes. Um, yeah, but outside of that, there's not really anyone who's ever lived at a very high percentage. Uh, Groves has been like a high volume middling percentage guy. Rody fairly low percentage on very high volume last season at St. Thomas. Harris, uh, low percentage guy. And on paper, 
you really don't have much of a proven track record of jump shooters outside of obviously Isaac McNeely, who is very good, uh, which is scary. And I think the silver lining is that you saw Virginia get a lot of very clean looks from three in the scrimmage. Part of that you attribute to Reese Beekman, who, as Zach mentioned, looked really decisive, really comfortable orchestrating the offense. The growth of Ryan Dunn, who was throwing skip passes for threes. Uh, the the Dunn number that I meant to slack to Zach earlier but forgot to is that last season he had nine assists in 401 minutes played. And in the scrimmage, he played about like 25 minutes and had five assists. So pretty clear growth there in terms of passing. And they were getting good looks all scrimmage uh, from beyond the arc. They, there were a few heavy contested late clock ones, but good shots generally. Uh, but like there's reasons to be worried. There's really only one yeah. guy with a track record of being an above average shooter who's not also only taking them when open, which is the case with Reese. Um, but like McNeely's really the guy. And you have to hope that Rody can grow into that. You hope that Groves can provide some of that. And Ryan Dunn will get better. Leon Bond will get better. Hopefully Reese hits some stuff. And you can project growth, but that's not the same as having actual proven shooters. And I'm just as worried this year as I was last year about this team's jump shooting, especially with as cold as we saw them get down the stretch last year. It's, I just don't want to watch that offense again. Yeah, me neither. And you, uh, you did a good job there, completely avoiding the name Tane Murray, even though I brought him up. And I'm not going to let uh, that slide because Tane's going to play plenty. Um, I've put that hot take in in your article, Zach. I, you, we make a bet Pierce right is a now. Tane Murray guy. He's my I, guy. He's always has for gonna... years. I've been. T- I'm just telling you what's going to happen. I'm not. I, I, just just get used to it. It's going to happen. And uh, he can bring some shooting. We've seen it before. Apparently, no one brought it in the scrimmage. Um, where, 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 Zach, would you rank? You know, let's let's set some sort of obvious minimum for attempts per game. But if is Isaac probably number one on outside shooting threats? And then Beekman, Wait, where, uh... where are you seeing this shaking out? Yeah, I think I think Isaac will be in terms of like he's going to take five to six threes a game, I think. And and I think he's honestly going to be better than he was last year because he I I mean, I remember talking about it with you guys. He was just cold to start the year. And I was like criticizing his form and saying he was releasing it too low. And then he just got hot at the end of the season. Um, Yeah, I think he's going to be like 41.3 percent or something this year on like five and a half attempts per game. Not to just put out more takes and whatnot but uh yeah no he, i think he's going to be very good i think teams are going to have to account for that and i think that that's why he's penciled into this starting lineup and he's also solid defensively and can do some things beyond that but it's nice to be able to bank on him and i think that they will be i think after that probably oh god i think reese will probably be second in percentage just because the, the he's not going to shoot that high of a volume like, I think he shot maybe two and a half per game last year. He might be at three this year. I think he'll be um, right about like 37. I think Groves will be slightly lower than that on maybe a little bit of a higher volume. Should be more specific with your percentages. I Okay. Uh, yeah, I can. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, I think there's going to be a lot of guys in the mid-30s. And it's just yeah. sort of about can they be consistently there rather than 
either they're going four for six or one for six, which I think just happened last year. And there were games where I was like, oh man, oh my God, look at the offense. It's cooking. It's great. It's people are hitting shots or one person that's hitting shots. And then other games, it would just be disastrous. I think you just want that consistency, even if it's not going to be elite, because shooting will not doom this team if they can just hit 36% on the year, 37% on the year, mm-hmm. and then find the majority of their, not the majority, but uh, they can be a good inside the paint team with the ability that their guards have. Um, I think Rody can be a good shot creator. He did not shoot well in this game. As we mentioned, I think he was two for 11 or something like that. Um, I think pro- probably part of that is just they played 40 minutes beforehand and he's the type of guy that will get worn down because he spends a lot of energy creating shots for himself he missed i mean he 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 bricked a, a good number of shots that's just we we commented that live um and so that wasn't pretty but he did create those shots and so it's a matter of okay is this him not being ready for this level of competition and missing these shots and it's going to be a problem in season where you're like oh man he's just taking bad shots or can he actually hit those shots and he just had a bad day and was a little bit tired i think it's probably closer to the second i hope um and so yeah i don't know i think this i think this offense will honestly be fine if they can just not be um if they cannot fluctuate between being a decent sort of like middling three-point shooting team and a just straight up bad one, if they can just sort of maintain a certain average um, game in and game out and not rely on it so, so heavily, then I think that they will be fine and will be able to score points in other ways with some schematic manipulation here and there. All right. All right. Well, unless either of you have any uh, parting takeaways we forgot to cover. Uh, There's some new faces. I hope, I hope, for the listeners out there, let's start getting you a little more familiar with some of the uh, uh, new faces, of course, and the returning ones, because uh, basketball is not far away, and that is certainly a good thing if you are a UVA fan. So uh, stay tuned to strikingthelawn.com for uh, pre- and post-game coverage of the UNC football game, uh, but we'll be back soon to talk about, of course, that game and uh, some more schedule breakdown and stuff like that as we head towards the season openers for the men's and women's basketball teams. Until then, for everybody at StreakingLawn.com, I'm Pierce. This is Speaking Lawn. Talk to you next week. Go Hoos. <laughs>